Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. Good morning. This week I had the awesome opportunity to spend some time with a person who is a mentor in my life, and he told me a funny story. He told me about how a few years ago he wanted to take his teenage sons on a trip on an adventure. And so they bought these plane tickets, they hopped on American Airlines, and they made their way to the great Pacific Northwest because they had the idea that they were going to track down and see in person one thing. And the thing they wanted to see more than anything else was a grizzly bear. I'm not sure how well they thought that plan out. So for several days, they camped in the beautiful forest in the gorgeous atmosphere. They saw all sorts of wildlife everywhere they went. They saw everything except the one thing they came to see, a bear. And so finally, it came down to the final day before they were going to fly back to Texas. Not many grizzly bears in Texas that are not at the zoo. And they were walking up a trail, and they saw some people sort of walking down quickly. And they stopped them and just by chance said, hey, just wanted to see. You haven't seen a bear, have you? And the people's faces went white. And they said, yes, we saw one right up the trail, right around the ridge. Large rock. And so my mentor and his sons got excited and began to run up the trail. And the people were calling after them, no, don't go. And so as they kept like going as fast as they could, running to find this wild, vicious, beautiful animal, they They kept um, running. Finally, they encountered another group of people. And these people were making their way down the trail quickly as well. And they said, stop. You guys got to stop. And they said, why? They said, because there's a grizzly bear up there. And they were like, yes, let's go. And the people were trying to stop them and grab their arms. And so my mentor and his sons continued making their way till they made their way all the way to the clearing. And they were looking around. For a moment, they were just totally disappointed. There's no bear up here. And then they heard it low grumble and there behind the rock sure enough was this massive beast of a bear it was probably right about that moment that the bear smelled texas barbecue (laughs) and turned around and looked and saw my mentor and his sons and it was at that moment they realized what they had gotten themselves into and they suddenly had revival like most of the people on the path and realized they had to get away. Now they knew that there was no way they could outrun this grizzly bear and their best chance was to sneak away. So they began backtracking ever so quietly and as soon as they thought they had made their way far enough away, they took off running again. Now my mentor will tell you, he was about 50 years old at this time and um, his sons were young and athletic and they were running and he was running and for a few moments he was keeping up but not long after that they were far ahead and he realized either this bear has given up or I'm gonna die because I can't run any further when they finally made their way back to the car um, everyone was laughing about the experience and the dad said what did you guys think And the sons turned to the man who brought them on this amazing trip. And they said, Dad, we realized we didn't have to outrun the bear. We just had to outrun you. (laughs) That is when they saw love. Uh, I think some of us approach God a lot like my mentor approached the bear. From a distance, he seems like this interesting novelty. But when we get close, we realize maybe we've gotten more than we expected. 
Because as we approach God, we realize how powerful he is, how immense he is, how incredible he is. If he really is the creator of all that we know and see, the master of the universe, how intimidating it would be to come before someone who knew everything about us, who could look into our eyes and know every thought, every dream, every desire, every good thing, and yes, every bad thing. I think that sometimes if we're not careful, we can either lose respect for God and his awe and his power, or we simply keep our distance from God. We have this false belief that maybe God doesn't want us after all. I talk to people all of the time, and that's exactly where they fall. God is this powerful, incredible force, this person. And maybe if he's that great, he doesn't want me anyway. But what if there was one concept that we could understand about God that would remedy all of this? What if there's one attribute of God that we could understand that would allow him to remain so mighty as he is presented in Scripture and yet pull us so close as he says he intended? And that concept we're going to talk about today is one of our core values. It's the idea of his love. I had a hard time with this message because how do you talk about love? It's like trying to explain what a strawberry tastes like to someone who's never had one. When I was young, I used to sneak into my grandpa's backyard because he grew strawberries. And my cousin and I would steal them off the bushes and take them upstairs and eat them. But the thing that we always did is we picked them too soon. And so we ended up with these bitter berries trying to pretend like they were good. Now, I'm talking about the strawberries like you could get at the farmer's market probably somewhere today. Picked from the Willamette Valley, fragrant and fresh, delicious and amazing. What if someone from another place had never had a strawberry? Ultimately, you would talk about how good it is, and finally you would say, just take a bite, just try it. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 34, of taste and see that the Lord is good. It's hard to talk about love, but that hasn't stopped some of the musical geniuses of our time who tell us all you need is love, tell us uh, all of me loves all of you, love lifts us up where we belong, I can't help falling in love, the power of love. I would do anything for love. And then finally, I will always love you. Leo Tolstoy said, All, everything that I understand, I only understand because I love. Why is it so hard to truly, deeply understand love in an uncomplicated way? Maybe it's because we've all seen bad examples. Maybe it's because we all know what it looks like or feels like to have a broken heart. Maybe it's because the promise of love is too intoxicating and leaves us too vulnerable. And when it doesn't come, come through, leaves us in too much pain. Maybe too many of us have seen examples of conditional love. Love that has to be earned and love that can be taken away. Love then at that moment is no longer a gift but a weapon. How are we to view the love of God? Perhaps today we allow God to speak for himself. And we're going to see in the scriptures that God declares his love. God demonstrates his love. God defeats darkness with his love. And finally, God shares his love. My prayer is that today God would share his love in a deep, true way with you. The scripture we're going to read comes from Ephesians chapter 3. And if you have a copy of God's word, I invite you to turn there. If not, we're going to have it on the screens available for you. In this passage, we're going to see a man by the name of Paul. He's a Christian, and he's praying a prayer for his friends. He actually writes this prayer out. Paul is a person who's given up everything because he believes in the goodness of God's love. And today we're going to read these scriptures preserved in the holy word of God for our hearts today. Let's read together as the word says this. I pray 
that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Today, this person named Paul is praying that his friends can comprehend the love of God. And that's my prayer for us today. So I've been praying all morning, all week for us, that we wouldn't just hear about the love of God, but somehow, maybe, by his divine power and strength, that we could comprehend it. And so with that being said, let's go before God right now and pray and ask for him to meet us here. God, I thank you so much for this grace, for this love, for this power. I thank you for these precious people gathered here today and those who are watching. And we'll see this later. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give us your spirit right in this moment to understand the lengths you have gone to for us and how you, by your might, by your passion, by your joy, for your glory, you might meet us here right now. So meet us, Lord Jesus. Come find us and show us this love. It's in your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. The Greek word in this, comprehend, it means katalambano. And the definition means to obtain or to make one's own, to take into oneself. And so that's the prayer today. It's not that you would hear a general message, a distant idea about what could be, but that somehow, some way, even if it's a glimpse or a glimmer, or maybe it's a deeper understanding than you've ever had before, how the Father loves you. Once again, the first thing that we see is that God declares his love. God declares his love. When's the last time you told somebody, I love you? When I was in high school, I had a friend pass away tragically in a car accident during her senior year. She was our homecoming queen. She was beautiful. And I realized that one of the last things that she ever told her parents before she left the house that day was anger. She was in a fight with them. And I just made it my ambition. Like, I will never make the last words that I ever tell my family to be ones of anger if I can help it. So I always want to tell them, I love you, like before we hang up the phone. And uh, we were not always an affectionate family, so we had to kind of like get it started. You know, it was sort of awkward at first. It's like when you bring a present to a party and nobody else did, and you're like, well, still going to leave it here. I brought it. Um, It kind of took us a minute. But then once we got into the flow of it, I just found myself. Like it can roll off my tongue a lot easier, but sometimes you say it by accident, you know. Have you ever been that person who's ordering pizza? And you're like, like two cheese, pepperoni, the Greek salad. That's all, thanks. I love you. I mean... I like you as a friend. (laughs) But if you bring the pizza on time, I will love you. There's something powerful about declaring love. My wife, she did the announcements earlier. She's beautiful in more ways than one. And um, before we started dating, we were the will they, won't they couple for a long time. Uh, We did the just friends thing uh, probably for far too long. Maybe because I was a little bit scared of love. I was a little boy in a college person's body. And I can remember on one Valentine's Day in college, I just had this great idea to surprise her. I was at a very romantic establishment. You've probably heard of it, called Walmart. And um, (laughs) they were having a sale because it was the end of Valentine's Day. And everything was marked 50% off. And nothing is more romantic than 50% off. (laughs) 
And so I just started shopping. I put everything in my shopping cart I could find. I put the chocolates in, the biggest one. I put the teddy bear in, the flowers, the balloons, just everything. When I wheeled it out to the trunk of my SUV, I had to, like, stuff it in to close the back gate. I drove over to her dorm. Um, I called her, and I asked her to come down. She was just my friend. So she came down to the parking lot, and I opened it up, and it was like she won a Valentine's Day game show. It was like, here's everything. And she's, like, loaded up in her arms as she makes her way back into the dorm and uh, the next day it hit me and so um, I called her and I said I just want to make sure you know we're just friends she's like you're an idiot a few years ago I kind of got my act together a little bit and I realized something that I had loved Andrea for a really long time but there's something powerful about declaring it isn't it it was uh, a late summer night In central Virginia, we were at this place right in the heart of downtown, a historic place called the Monument Terrace. Uh, A couple years before, I was in Thailand, and I had purchased a blue topaz ring because even though I didn't know how to love someone, I I wanted to think that I could. So I just purchased this ring, and I held on to it just because I wanted to give it to someone special. So I had that ring in my pocket that night. The wind was blowing softly. It was nice and warm, a gorgeous sunset. A few days before that, Andrea and I had officially started dating, but we still hadn't said those three magic words. Now, we said everything else to keep ourselves from saying it. I deeply appreciate you. <laughs> Good night. I value you tremendously. You're great. <laughs> but we said everything but those words. And so right there in the middle of Virginia, I pulled out that blue topaz ring and said, I've been waiting to give this to someone special. I want you to take it, and I just want to tell you, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And um, it was amazing how a DTR, a defined the relationship, can make way for true depth and for true intimacy. Maybe some of you have been in relationships before where people have assumed that you know they love you. Maybe they have a different way of showing you. But in the depths of who we are, we really want to hear it. We really want to hear someone say it. Because once it's said, it paves the way for depth something happens when you say it because it's a vulnerable action what happens if the person doesn't say it back and maybe we feel that way about god but if today you could look into god's eyes and he could tell you how he feels about you what would he say he would tell you that his love you can imagine He would tell you that his love is longer than you thought possible. He would tell you that his love is higher than you can dream. And he would tell you that his love is deeper than your deepest fear. God declares his love. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to him from far away and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. There's some people who sort of feel this way about God. Like, yeah, he loves me because he has to. Have you ever said that to your parents? Your mom's like, you just did the best job. And you're like, you're just saying that because you had to. Sometimes we think that about God. Or else we think the opposite. He's so big and he's so great, he could never fully love me. And that's what we deeply desire, isn't it? To be fully known but also at the same time to be fully loved. The truth about God is that he doesn't have to love you. 
The miracle of God is that he chooses to love you. How powerful. There's an author by the name of Bob Goff. He said this, I used to think that being loved was the greatest thing to think about. But now I know that love is never satisfied just thinking about it. And that's where we see the second thing. The second thing that we see is that God demonstrates his love. God demonstrates his love. Our text today says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When my son John Charles was born about 10 months ago, everybody was just a little bit worried about my daughter Valentine. She was three years old at the time, and to that point, she loved being a princess. That was until she found out what a queen was. (laughs) I used to try to teach my daughter the difference between being a leader and a boss. I would say a boss is somebody who just tells people what to do, but a leader cares for people and helps them grow. And she says, nah, I want to be a boss. (laughs) And I said, what do you want to be a boss of? And she said, the world. And I realized at that moment, this is the person who's going to choose my nursing home one day. (laughs) But we did know that Valentine had the opportunity and the depth to love. But she loved this little doll. This doll that we gave her when she was a little kid. It was a doll of Sleeping Beauty, and she nicknamed her I Know. And we had two of these dolls, but one of them got all the love. The other one got to stay on the shelf, pristine and beautiful. And the other has become this tattered torn, fungus-growing creature. When my son was born, we were worried, but we smiled as we watched her begin to love him. She sang to him, she laughed with him, but we knew her love was true when she first handed that nasty, disgusting doll over to him and let him hold the doll. It's because real love is always demonstrated. Real love is demonstrated. I'm so grateful that our God is not some distant deity who we have to appease to religious works and endeavors. But we have a God who, while we are still sinners, demonstrates his love by sending Christ for us. You know, I almost think it was like God knew that it would be hard for us to understand his love. We would look through a culture of a broken world. We would look through the pain and disease. We would look through the disappointments in our lives, and we would struggle to understand this love. That he's so big. We're so far. He's so perfect. And we fall short. He must be too busy. We must be too disappointing. And yet God had a plan. And his plan is Jesus. One night Jesus was talking to a religious person. This religious man probably had spent his whole life trying to be good enough for God. How exhausting. We always grow miserable when we believe that love is something that we have to earn either to keep or to get. And on that night, Jesus said this to the religious person in John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world Through him, real love is demonstrated. Every other story I've heard about some kind of God, every other religious story, compelling, inspirational, it's all fine. But here's what I found. Every other story about a God tells about a God that's distant, or a God that demands a tribute, or a God that points out the wrongs, or a God that does what he or she pleases. But this 
story, this God story about a God, a true God that from Genesis to Revelation tells a story that has never changed, that he has always loved us more than we can imagine, that he loved us so much that God couldn't wait for us to come to him and find our way that that God came to us. This is a story about a God who came near, about a God who became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could look upon his face and once and for all know that we have been found. What a love this is. What a love this is. What a love this is. I have a friend, a good friend, a friend I've spent holidays with, a friend I care about, who was recently arrested for very serious crime. They're facing jail time right now. Someone I think about a lot, pray about a lot, would change if I could. And the justice, the justice of this situation demands that my friend pay the price for what they've done. It was serious. It was serious. And the question comes up, do I love this friend enough to pay their price? Not that anyone's asking, but if a judge in some courtroom somewhere said, okay, you say you love your friend, we're about to pass a significant jail sentence. Do you love your friend enough to leave your family and pay that price? Do you love your friend enough to give up your freedom, to put yourself in chains, to say goodbye to the future that you had assumed? Do you love your friend enough? The answer is probably not. But maybe. But what if someone pointed back to that son, that 10-month-old bouncing boy with those big chubby cheeks who's just learning to smile with a beautiful future? What if that judge said, what if we took your son instead? What if we took your son and allowed your son to pay the price for your friend? Would you go for that? My answer is simple, never. Never. And yet, when given that choice, God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life See, the reason we feel complicated in our relationship with God is because there is a distance that's been created through our wrongdoing. There is a distance that has been created through our sins. And justice demands that a price should be paid because of that. The Bible says the price of our sin is death. And yet here we see Jesus telling his own fate. The one who's prophesying is the one who would also fulfill the promise. Because in a few months' time, Jesus would go to the cross and stretch out his arms and pay the price for people like you and me. Why? Because God so loves you. Sometimes it can be hard to think about love because it's an intangible idea. The answer is simple. Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. You want to know love? Look to Jesus. Look at his outstretched arms. Look at his nail-pierced hands. Look at his back that was whipped with stripes so that you could be healed. And look at the empty tomb that says, because of Jesus, your story's never over. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. There's a third thing that we see. God defeats darkness with his love. I love this. God defeats darkness with his love. 
The Bible says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Right now in your life, I hope that you have that person, that person that you could call if you got really bad news. If you had something heartbreaking or tragic happen, if you messed up in a really bad way, if you broke down on the side of the road, if you realized your bank account was totally empty and there was a bill you had to pay, is there that person in your life that you could reach out to? That's real love. We moved to Portland almost three years ago, and when I first got here, I realized, like, we have not built that kind of community. All the people that I love like that live far away. And so I just started to look, like, who, who can be my friend? Anybody? And finally, I made friends with this one guy, and I just had that heart-to-heart moment with him. Like, I need you to be, like, my first phone call person. God wants to be that person for us. Always. He's never too busy. He's never too distracted. He never stops loving. Won't you receive him? Won't you reach out to him? The Bible teaches us that the love of God is a love that defeats the darkness. I want you to see this scripture because I can't say it any better than how the Bible describes in 1 John 4, 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we love because he first loves us. Let me show you how this works. There's a real enemy in this world who's always telling you where you've fallen short. This Bible verse says, on the one hand, he's right. If you still have to pay the price for your sins, if you've never been forgiven from your sins by trusting Jesus, then the enemy has a point. But the minute you give your life to Jesus and your life is filled with the love of God, then there is no accusation that will ever stick to you again from the enemy. That there is no cloud of hopelessness that can ever keep the light from shining through. Because the love of Jesus is a love that overcomes. It's a love that drives out the fear and leaves the light of God. Leaves us fullness. And that's why I don't care for religion all that much as defined by rules and regulations that we have to uphold to keep some distant deity happy. Religion reminds me of what we read in 1 John 4, reasons why we should be afraid. Love, on the other hand, the love of God, the gospel of love, tells us the freedom that we have. When's the last time you felt truly free? Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, every morning, every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I think there's some people in this room, if you've ever felt like I have, you think that there was a day that the love of God could have been real for you, but there's been too much since then. Too many trials, too many mess-ups, too many shortcomings, too many failures. Friend, all you need is a new morning, a new day. Because this verse says through time and space to your heart right now that his mercies are brand new every single day. Today is a new day for you in Jesus. Why? 
because he's alive, because he's God, and because he says so. And because he loves you. What gift is this? Finally, we see this. God shares his love through those who know his love. God shares his love through those who know his love. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is the prayer of a friend. Paul, he's this person who has known God in such a personal way. He's seen God do amazing things. He's seen God raise people from death to life. He's seen God heal the hopeless, give sight to the blind, and renew people in life through the power of the gospel. But Paul's not finished yet. He wants everybody to know this. Paul's praying for his friends to understand God's love. Who are you praying for like this? Who are you praying that their eyes would be open, their spirit would be strengthened so they can understand the love of God? And how can we partner with God? Because he demonstrates his love. We demonstrate his love. Good, you don't have to be. But God is loving enough. Don't demonstrate your love. Demonstrate his love. Allow people to get a taste of something real. We base our whole ministry on this idea that in Jesus we find the source of living water. And the world is filled with thirsty people. What are they thirsty for? Real love. True love. What do they need? Just a taste. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Friend, you are loved today. First Peter 4, 8 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. First Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide or remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The love of God is bigger than you can imagine. But today, I invite you, just imagine. Imagine. I'm going to ask for our musicians to come forward. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of reflection and worship. We're also going to have an opportunity to receive uh, communion. Okay, good. A beautiful picture, remembering the love of God. It's this physical representation of what Christ has done for us. And it's something that Jesus gave us on the night before he gave his life for us. As a means to remember what he's done forever. If you're struggling to understand love today, then understand what the bread and the juice represent. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken so that you may be made whole. It's a testimony against the darkness once and for all. That you can find hope, that you can find healing, that because of Jesus, your story is never over. The juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed for your behalf. That because you have been covered by his blood, your sins have been erased, your past has been evaporated, and nothing is left except for what God always intended. A relationship between you and him, where he can pour out his love. And maybe today you have received this gift. And we invite you to come to the table in just a moment. It's at our family table in the lobby. Just as you feel led. But maybe today you're in this room 
And maybe you're sort of like the guy that Jesus was talking about in John 3. He was a good guy. He had done a lot of good things and maybe some bad things. The point is, he was pretty normal. In that moment, Jesus was offering him to enter a supernatural relationship. The man, his name was Nicodemus, he was asking Jesus, how can I know this message? How can I be changed? Like what you have is so real and so good. How can I know this love of God? And Jesus told him, you must be born again. You must be born again. And the man didn't understand. Jesus would go on to teach him that every person is born in the flesh and bone. But when we believe in Jesus and place our trust in him, we are born again of the spirit. The spirit of God comes to live inside of us. The spirit of God begins to change us. And the greatest action of love is not just that God gives a gift. The greatest action of love is that God gives us himself. Have you ever received God? Have you ever received Jesus? Maybe today you're ready that's why we're here. We don't get together to play games. We come to places like this because we believe this message is so good. It's worth it. It's worth giving things up for. It's worth putting away our own desire and agenda. It's worth finding a greater treasure in Jesus. And once we found it, here's what we find. It's a treasure of abundance. <laughs> we can give it away and give it away and give it away and find there's only more. The world is a world of scarcity. God is a God of abundance. Are you tired of living without? Come to Jesus and find a fullness beyond your wildest imagination. And the riches are his love. It's his love. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to speak to those who have been born again for a moment, those who believe in Jesus. Let your heart be encouraged today by your Father. Just take these few moments to rest in his love. Maybe it was a distracting week. Allow him to take your burdens. Maybe for the burdens of a friend or you're walking through a personal heartbreak. Allow him to come close right now. Maybe you're struggling through a sinful area of your life. It's just a burden. In the name of Jesus, just allow, allow his gospel to remind you that his love breaks down the darkness kicks down the doors, shatters the chains, and walk in the freedom that he paid for you to have. And today, as we receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, remember, remember and be made new. And I wonder if there's anybody here right now that would say, Aaron, if I were to be honest, I don't know if I've ever received Jesus in my life. I don't know if I've ever gone all in. I've heard about God, I've known about God, but I don't think I've ever given everything to God. What does that look like? The scriptures teach us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It means tell God you understand he's the king of kings. He's the king of your life. You turn over your life to him, this person of love, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He is who he says he is. He's triumphant over death. His work on the cross was enough. The Bible says if you do this, you will be saved. I don't know if there's any person in this room who would say, I've never done that before. I've never come to that place, but today I want to. I want Jesus. I want to be saved. If that's you in this room with no one looking but me, would you simply slip your hand in the air for just a moment? Aaron, pray for me. I believe I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Amen.
If that's you, tell God today. Tell him in the realest place in your heart. There's no magic way to say it. Only honest. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. And we exist here as a people of love. So you can tell someone, what would it be like if you didn't have to walk that journey alone? What would it be like if you walk as part of a family, as a disciple, in a group of people teaching you what the Bible says and teaching you how to live out this word of life, this message of truth? Talk to us today. Give us the opportunity through an action card, through a conversation. It's why we're here. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to go receive communion. I invite you to join me as you feel the Holy Spirit's leading. Let us pray. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.